The show you're about to hear is part one of a two-parter that was recorded during the Conexpo exhibition in Las Vegas. Both parts are a discussion between myself and vlogger, podcaster and journalist Peter Haddock of Content With Media. The second part deals with what I can only describe as professional guilt. I had the good fortune to spend a week in the US looking at machines and enjoying the kind of access that many far more qualified people would give their right arm for. In addition, both Peter and I spend our every waking hour talking about the need to reduce emissions and make the construction industry cleaner. And yet here we were, flying halfway around the world to report on a bunch of diggers. You can hear all of that and more in part two. But we start with our highlights of the show. Peter had just come from the finals of Caterpillar's Global Operator Challenge, where he had met both the operators and their families. So when I asked him for his greatest highlight of the show, it's no great surprise that he started with his encounter with the children of the man crowned world champion. Well, I think the biggest highlight for me is Even Pierce because they're two young kids that basically had uh, Go Daddy on their T-shirts for um, Josh, who won the Operator Challenge. And, and I was here because Josh was uh, sort of finning Canada and Tommy, who came second, was finning Ireland. And so, you know, the two best operators in the world, over 10,000 operators in the Global Challenge, and I was there fortunate enough to interview those guys, but their highlight wasn't those two, it was, it was the kids because you know they're the future and i think part of the what we've seen at the show it was pretty hollywood you know there was a lot of um, people there there's you know they had some really big influencers hosting it so it felt that this was really really important to caterpillar to to throw a lot of resources at and they created their whole uh, stand as a circle to circle the operator challenge and then the demonstrations but for me it just really shows the most important people in this industry they're not you and me who report on it. They're the operators. And, you know, they can make a huge difference. They did various different skills challenges, but, you know, used the technologies on the machine as well. And for me, we've got to understand that how do we help the operator community through the work we do and other people and highlight different things? And how do we bring operators in to... And this industry has got a problem with bringing people into the industry full stop, whether that be operators or technicians. But, you know, then I had the ultimate highlight. I didn't know who the guy was before I interviewed him, uh, really, but Mike Rowe, who's a global influencer. I mean, he put pictures of the Operator Challenge on uh, his social media and reached half a million people in a day. As a keen listener <coughs> to his podcast, I, can, I know exactly how, how far the guy's reach. Yeah, and I think, well, but Mike has got a foundation when he's giving away a million dollars to help people train and come into the industry. That was one of the quotes of the day I heard him saying yesterday. It's, it, you'd be surprised how hard it is to give away a million dollars. Yeah, and I mean... You know, <laughs> I was waving my hands in the background. Like, hello, yeah, it's a million dollars that he's got. I mean, he's raised that money, you know, and it made me look and think about all of the things that people have talked to both you and I about recently, around... It's too expensive to become an operator. There's too many barriers. There's all these tickets. There's all these different things. And there's another country with the same issues that we've got. In fact, bigger, because it's a bigger country. But they're giving away a million dollars to help people come into the industry. Well, 
that's what you need. You need the help. You don't need all of the hassle. And you know, and how is a young person going to afford thousands of pounds to get tickets and do things and whatnot? It's just ridiculous. So that's really opened my eyes to the fact that you know we need to do more uh, collectively as an industry in the UK to enable um, the reduction in these costs, and but also to enable people that have got the talent to come in and, and do it, and then celebrate them. But Mike equally said, well, we're celebrating here with the global operator challenge winners and then we we talk about the other uh, guys bringing them in but we don't talk about the middle and the middle is the everyday and all those people that are on site what can we do to help them you know and and be more inclusive um and then just the final bit to that story was was of inclusivity for me was around going into the cat remote control station which is brand new. So, you know, everybody thinks about this sort of cat command in quarries and mining and autonomy there. But the remote control station was around wheel loaders and excavators and dozers that, that you'll find on construction sites. And there was a few guys sitting in there literally flicking from one wheel loader to an excavator in different parts of, the, of America. And so they're sat there and I'm thinking, you know, one is safer way way safer two the guys can uh, a good example they gave was you can operate three wheel loaders in three different stockpiles that they only need a little bit of stockpile management well there's there's three people that would have had to drive to there and all the fuel and the costs involved in doing that yet one person can do it and guess what that person can have some form of of a disability that wouldn't allow them to get in a car and go and work on a site and all the vibrations they've got great skills and what a great way of inclusiveness to, for more people. That is the ultimate inclusivity, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think from my point of view, looking at the Caterpillar stand, not that I'm, I'm not on Caterpillar's payroll or anything like that, but I think one of the things that stood out from, for me was the fact that all the manufacturers are here to move metal. They're here to sell equipment and to, you know, to, to push metal. And yet Caterpillar gave over practically their entire stand to celebrate operators. Yeah, that, that, that's a, a remarkable thing. I, I, I know Caterpillar have, are a huge company and they have the, have the resources to do that. But that's a, that's a step change as far as I'm concerned. You know, that's, that's looking at this industry in a totally different way. Yeah, and they weren't lording around their latest machines. You know, they've got some great machines there. There's a new 306, which is going to be great for the UK market. You know, they've got new technologies, and and they've they've got equipment like the new D5 dozer and the D3 there. But they weren't making a huge deal about those because you look around the whole stand, and there's pictures of these nine operators from all over the world. You know, not just America, Ireland, but Japan and and the far and and. And, and other areas and so you know they were like forget about the equipment bit really and concentrate on the people that are, are running it and the equipment will sell itself yeah i mean that, that's <clears> one of the things that we've we, you know i think the industry has always talked about the fact that our greatest asset is our people but it's mm. never actually practically demonstrated and i think with what caliper have done i think they've they've done precisely that yeah and and it is a true global operator challenge and I think you know you can you can play with these things and the people play with operator challenges and this that and the other but they took a big bet because it wasn't cheap I'm sure to to put this on and facilitate it and everything but you know really they did turn around and, and say no look let's do this properly 
and the resources and the people I met, the blood, sweat and tears doing this thing. I mean, there was like something like 460 days or something as to when it started to when it finished. And, you know, that's a mammoth, mammoth task. Yeah. We've talked a lot about Caterpillar, but we've both been traipsing tra- around the show. What yeah. else have you seen that, that's caught your eye? Well, really interesting is um, the Dresda Dozer. Because the Dresda Dozer is a concept. I mean, it's a prototype. You know, you can't buy one yet. I think it's out in 2021. But what was surprising for me about that unit is the fact it tackled one of the pain-in-the-ass things that you have to do, which when you're getting into a dozer, you have to walk on the tracks. And guess what? When I was with Jason Snaith the other day in his D5 dozer, well, we were in the muck, you know, seriously in the muck. And... You know, you get on there and you're going to slip. You're going to trip. And most of the accidents that, uh, for plant is when you're getting in there. Well, Dresta's put this great big blue step on the yellow uh, machine. And it's away from the tracks and you step up from the back. And then you access it via a huge door, great visibility. And the fan's at the back. So, you know, when you're dozing, and in whatever conditions, whether it's dust or dirt, when you've got a fan at the front, obviously that all that stuff gets chucked at the fan. If you put it at the back, it sucks in cleaner air, and it can blow it out. So, you know, it's, I mean, it's a concept, but, you know, I, I see a big opportunity for them there, and I think that's great. And the other thing which really kind of blew me away, because I talk a lot about technology and connected worksite and stuff like that, and so I was I went onto the Hexagon site, which is like a geosystems in the UK. They own they own that's the parent company. And they'd gone and created a table, right? And this table, you grab an iPad at the side of the table and you literally throw it at the table and it shows you this whole construction site, end-to-end. Now, this is a real site that they've gone and mapped and they've gone and followed it through and there's videos and everything that shows you. But that showed you from end-to-end, and I like to call, particularly with your hat on with demolition, I like to say we need to go from demolition to demolition. So demolition of the site, then you remediate, and then you start um, doing the surveying and all the rest of it, and you build your model, and you do the earthworks, and you build whatever structure it is. But then when the end of that structure's life comes, you demolish it again. But you're demolishing it knowing that there's, I don't know, how many metres of aggregate or whatever it is that you can extract and recycle, you can knock the building down you know where all the switches are and the wires are you can recycle it all and then you can plug the next structure into all the utilities because you know exactly where they are well that's something i've been harping on about but i could see from the table and then discussing all the different um other ways in which you know point cloud and in other words lots of different points that make up um like my finger for example you know and if you can scan your finger with more points you, you obviously have more points of reference for example so how that goes from there into the model back out to the site the surveyor's data comes in the machine controls data gets pushed in and backwards and forwards and you create the as-built model as you're going and so you know if the smart compaction which is the next big thing I think smart compaction in the UK you know if that needs then more fill and you can go and do that and you and everybody has the same information and they've got this new thing called ad tech 
which they're bringing into the UK, but it's used by estimators in America, and it's been used for years. So they've acquired that, and that's like the estimator going on site with with a tablet or a tablet or a connected phone, and actually doing all the estimating for a job to see one whether it's worth bidding for it and to put in the right bid so you're not going to end up in trouble financially on a project and two you know to make those changes as an estimator well that takes the other problem that we have which the shortage of engineers that leaves them to do the engineering job which means that you know you can get more things done if you can estimate more jobs you're going to win more jobs blah 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 but that all links in together and so those sort of things were fascinating um, for me. And I think, you know, you, you look at the way in which we talk about all these things and then you see this table that is actual reality and that's an actual site and all that information is available for everybody to see. And it's open source as well. And, you know, they're quite frank in what they're saying. You know, we know people have got other bits of kit from other manufacturers, but it doesn't stop us working with them. So I think that collaboration that we, again, it's another, you know, C word as such, the collaboration word, you know, we're getting closer to that. I think that's been one of the standouts from, well, there's two points there, actually. I mean, going back to the Dresda dozer, the, the very fact that Dresda, we, we, we're familiar with the brand, but when you think that Liebherr, Caterpillar, yeah. Komatsu, have all got dozers here, yeah. and yet everyone's talking about the Dresda, I think that's a, that's a bit of a change. But I think the other thing that stands out for me at Conexpo is I don't think I've seen any equipment that's really blown me away. There's, there's been some highlights. You know, there's, I, I thought the electric prototype on the XCMG stand was very smart and, and, and some other bits and pieces, but there's been no real standout. But I think what the standout has been for me is there's been a lot of talk about um, steward, stewardship of the earth, um, you know, connectivity and, 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 and technology and all that kind of thing. Almost to the point, it goes back to what we said about the operators, it's almost to the point where I wouldn't say we've perfected excavators and dozers, but those are not the, the be on end all. I think it's the way that we work them and the people that work them that have become, you know, they're, they're front and centre now, you know. I think you're absolutely right. And I think what I see, and this is quite eye-opening, is the fact that carbon is being talked about. So fuel burn and productivity have always been the words and profitability and everything. But well, I've been talking a lot about carbon and sustainability to people, and they're actually getting the message with that. So, you know, when you talk to the job site solutions team at Caterpillar, they're like, actually, we're looking at how we can reduce carbon impact because their customers are being challenged by their customers to say, what is the carbon impact of you giving us these materials and these services? And that's a question that's getting asked more and more, and it will be coming into the UK more and more around the fuel element, around the cost of ownership element, and what you're doing with the equipment. And if we can identify through technology how we can support operators or get the fleet mix better and, and right instead of matching up in a wrong way, you know, the wrong size excavator to the wrong size ADT, for example, then actually we're going to be productive as a... As, it's just going to be a given that you're going to be more productive. Whereas if you aren't investing in your operators and the training and as we've seen the, the cost of tickets and, you know, and people saying, well, oh, we got to now have a ticket for machine control and things like that that's coming out from your podcast recently you know we've got to say hold on a minute you know we've got to offer 
this training and support, and we've got to find a way of paying for it. Yeah, because you can't deliver a service for nothing, but you've got to be able to say, well, that is a benefit to my client and show that client how because of the investment in your workforce and your operator training and your programs or whatever, you can deliver that tier one contract at a better solution. Guess what? They'll pay for it. Absolutely. No, absolutely right. <coughs> Going away from the show ground, yep. you're, you're in Connect, you're, you're in Connect but you're also in Las Vegas. Indeed, yes, yes. Funny old town, isn't it? It is. 20 years ago, I came here when I was traveling um, through America, when I was sort of on my um, year out as such of, of doing stuff, and I'd saved a lot of money for it. Totally different now. I mean, you know, you see the the buildings, the crazy and all the rest of it, but actually I'm staying a little bit out of the town. And what's interesting is you go from really big, crazy lights and everything like that on the strip to very, very soon. You go to small two-story houses and and that's it because they've got, and I was asking the, the Uber driver, um, why is this the case? He said, because we've got land. And of course, you don't even think about that. You know, these these huge spectacles and these places and, the, you know, the, 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 the architecture, the, the fun that they've put into it. And... Um, because they've got the space, and they're still building here. You know, there's resort worlds and other things like that coming along, and you know that's the that that for me is the classic example of when they knock something down and they rebuild it. I hope they're following what we've been talking about at Con Expo because they are constantly updating and and, and doing stuff. Crazy city, town, you know, I think you could get lost in here for a long, long time. And I think you could use, lose a lot of money as well <laughs> on the gambling sense. But you know what What always strikes me about America is is how nice the people are, you know, and, and how accommodating they are and, and, you know, how supportive they are to helping you. Yeah, I, you know, one of the things that stood out for me, I mean, I, I, like you, I've been doing this for a long, long time. I've been doing Con Expo for 30-odd years now. And, uh, you know, I, I do Baumer, I do Hillhead, I do Intermat and, and Plantworks and all this. I, I would say, hand on heart, this is, from a journalist's point of view, this has been the best organised show I've ever attended. You know, yeah. the, the communication in advance of the show, the way that they've put the thing together, you know, yeah. the, the, I'm, I'm even down to sort of getting daily updates of what's going on and where it's going on. It's just been un, unfaultable, you know, it's, it's been fantastic. Yeah, and you know what, Mark, I was pleased with. I walked through into the press office and they gave me a voucher to spend for lunch. You know, I mean, I know it sounds a bit stupid, but over, um, uh, you know, three or four days, we've got a voucher for each day, you know, that's saving me money, you know, because, that, and, and that's a positive thing. Yeah, you, know? you, you kind of feel like they want you here. Exactly, yeah, you know, and they've <laughs> set up this great press office that we're in now talking to each other. But, you know, it's everyone from the from the, the, the guys that are helping you get shipped from one side to the next, um, you know, to the people on the stand, because obviously we're used to seeing European events and, you know, we don't get to meet some of the, the, the players that are American that are here, you know, and then they're talking to you. They yeah, they're jumping straight into the interview, and, yeah, it's very daunting to do that. But they're like, how can I help you? How can I sell my product? How can I tell people what's new? You know, and that's just, as a journalist, that's like, get in. That's brilliant. <clears throat> so... 2020 now, 2023 for the next one. Will you be back? Oh, yeah, for sure. But what I want to do uh, when I come back is actually I want to be more collaborative with 
the journalist community that we bring with us because, you know, I think we're, there's so much of a story to tell here that just like we're sat together now as two journalists working in different areas, I think we've got to be far more collaborative. I mean, the journalist community in North America and Canada and the association and how they work together, they've got their own group and everything. It's like, why aren't we doing that? You know, we shouldn't be you know, competing for the next scoop and that. And it's just, you know, we're not in that space. What we should be doing as a collective UK European group is showing our strength, you know, our reach to these people. I totally you know. agree. I, the, the funny thing with, I, I think shows like this highlight that, the, the, the stupidity of this idea of, of trying to get a scoop. Yeah. Because anything that I see here, you'll see here, and every other journalist worth his salt will see as well. Yeah. There are no scoops to be had. No. I might see it five minutes before you, but... I, Big deal, you know, yeah, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So what, what are we trying to hide? I, I really don't understand it at all. I, 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 we aren't and we shouldn't be, but because we're all different as well and we're all doing content differently, I mean, I'm doing a podcast with you now, you've done a tremendous job with your podcast. You've started, you've grafted to get where you are with the podcast, you know, and similarly, you know, other people have grafted on various different social media channels to get their audience. You know, everybody wants to consume media and about a topic. Actually, what we've got to do is we've got to give it to them uh, in lots of different ways from lots of different people and angles and, and, and opinions and stuff like that so they can make their own choices as to who they're listening to. And the fact that we've been sharing our stories together and bringing somebody together like Nigel, for example, who you've then gone down and, and interviewed on your podcast, you know, he listened to mine, he listened to yours, and he came up with his own opinions. And guess what? That's what we're here for as journalists. We're here to give information out to people, and whether they like it or not, quite frankly, I don't care. Because if they want to talk about it, then they're engaging with the subject. And if we don't give them the right content on the right channels that they're interested in, then we're failing them, you know. And we're only as good as uh, the people we reach. And if the people we reach can listen to us or visually see images or read articles and form an opinion and get involved and share that with their friends, then we've done the job, you know. So let's work more together to do it better. 